This is Jordan, and you're listening to the Code 7 Podcast Network. Warning. This episode contains the three A's of podcasting. Adult content, adult language, and awesomeness. You've been warned. Welcome to Within the Trenches, true stories from the 911 dispatchers who live them. Good evening, this is Ricardo with the Code 7 Podcast Network, and this is going to be episode 189 of Within the Trenches, a podcast based on the experience of being a 911 dispatcher. This episode is presented by the IAED, and we're recording live from the 2018 Navigator Conference here at the Aria Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're currently sitting in the vendor hall for the gala reception. There's been tons of people. It's about 8 o'clock here uh, Pacific time, so there's about an hour left, but this place has been packed, and uh, it's been going really good. This episode is also sponsored by Kim Turner LLC. Make sure to check her out on Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram, as well as on the web. Her company, Kim Turner LLC, they have some excellent, excellent training, and it's 911 training for the next generation of 911. We're also supported by InDigital, a leader in next-gen core services. Now, last week, if you've been following where I've been, I was at the Indiana Nina APCO conference, had an excellent time there. Uh, I was there from Sunday to Friday, and this is Monday today, so it was just a couple days ago that I was over there, and uh, I flew at about 6 in the morning Eastern time, and when I arrived in Vegas, it was 7 a.m., so this time difference is going to mess me up, and uh, it'll be good, though. It's fun. I've been talking to a lot of good people, and uh, it's going to be good. Very excited to be here. So my guest today is Todd, and he's the training coordinator with Cobb County out of Georgia. How's it going, man? Awesome, Ricardo. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So you're out of my home state. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, actually, well, when we were talking, though, maybe I heard you wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah, out of Michigan. Barry County? You out of, work for Barry County, correct? You're out of Michigan? Yes. Originally, I started my dispatch career in... Uh, for Genesee County Central Dispatch in 1992. Are you kidding me? No, sir. Oh, my God. So, no, I'm out of Allegan County, actually. But that's even more crazy because when you and I were talking a little bit ago and we were talking about Michigan and stuff, I had no idea that that's where you had come out of. Oh, okay. Yep. Nice. That's where I started my career. Cool. So the, uh, the, the company that I work for in digital, we actually uh, service all of their stuff that they have there in Genesee. So I know a lot of the people there. Uh, very well. That's, that's small a small world, world it is, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, how did you get into dispatching to begin with? And since we're, you know, going through this already. Uh, so when I initially got out, I was a military police officer in the United States Army. And I got out and I got relocated to the state of Michigan. I initially, when I became a Michigan State Trooper. At the time, they were not hiring uh, troopers, but they were hiring dispatchers. So I, I noticed a, a, a thing in the paper, a job announcement. So I, I jumped on it. I'm like, there's a foot in the door. That was in 92. So I started um, down at the, the regional headquarters down at the MSP Detroit Post. Okay. And after six months, I lived in Flint area, Flint, Michigan area, and I transferred up to Genesee County Central Dispatch. That's a tough area, man. Was it still as, was it as tough then as it is now? It was probably tougher. Really? It, it was tougher. But the Jeez. times have changed because the officers were great. The camaraderie and the dispatch between us right. and the city of Flint and all the surrounding agencies was wonderful. We were It was a brotherhood, a sisterhood, whatever you want to call. Right. And, uh, you know, for all the bad calls and the bad times, uh, 
all you remember is the friendships, the brotherhoods you created. Very uh, true. Making sure, you know, our number one goal was to make sure the officers, first responders made it home every night. Of course. And that was our goal. Right. So, you know, you're, you get in there at 92 and uh, what is it like? What, what, what does it look like? Actually, first, when, when you got into it, um, what was your hiring process like? Because everybody's hiring process when doing or going for a dispatch position is completely different. I had two completely different ones where one, I was in a six panel uh, interview and another one, it was just two people and myself. But what was yours like? Well, it was, so you're working for a state government, state of Michigan. So it was pretty, it was, it was pretty long and, and pretty, pretty tough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, like any government background, you know, it, it took a while, first of all. And, you know, they're, State, state of Michigan, if anybody knows, they're troopers. They're the best of the best. And their dispatchers are considered the best of the best. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're looking for. Uh, with my background, um, being um, state police is a paramilitary organization. I got the military background. I think that's what got me initially in the, in the door. Right. Um, you know, once I, I really had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a military police officer, but like most officers on the road. No idea what dispatchers were doing. <laughs> right. Thinking anybody could do that. Amen. Well, I had no idea what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. So you you end up going in there. So there was no sit along or anything like that. You just kind of jumped right, in. Exactly. Huh? Right, exactly. Right. It nice. was a you know background a small oral board with one of the sergeants and then higher end and off you go. Hand you a uniform and a badge and off to the comm center you go. I was oh dang. So then what was your training like then? Um, what was unique about the MSP Detroit was back then. Um, they were just starting off, so they had a lot of troopers that were dispatching. So our job was to get trained as fast as we could and get those troopers on the road because you could never have enough officers or troopers. So the training was, it was quick. Um, it was thorough. Some great people that work for the state of Michigan. Um, there was a whole bunch of us got hired at once. We're still close friends to, these, to this day. A lot of them are dispatchers all over the state of Michigan I keep in touch with. And um, it was, you know, it was an eye opener. That's for sure. What was the, uh, how big is the agency that you were working for? The state of Michigan? The state of Michigan was big. Back then they had dispatch centers in like uh, MSP Detroit, uh, MSP Flint, Gaylord. Um, There's a lot more. And now I, I realize in, over the last years due to budget restraints or whatever, they've consolidated most of them. I think there's only like two or three regional dispatchers centers for the state of Michigan troopers. Nice. So were you were you designated to just one post then? We or? well no we had different um, councils were different so you could be assigned to MSP Detroit which is the free rate post yeah you could be designed the two seven I think now I'm aging myself here but I think two seven was Pontiac <laughs> back in the okay. days yeah uh, there was a Richmond post uh-huh. so we dispatched for a lot of the would it be southeast part of the state of Michigan the troopers um, we dispatched for them. Of See, course, and yeah. then some of them also got dispatched by their local consolidated dispatch oh, centers. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, we had, like, I think it's Post 5-6 was one of them. It was the Wayland State Post. And then, you know, whenever we had to make calls or anything for anyone, it, it was funny because the, the main post, for whatever reason, it seemed like it would always change. So they would tell us, you need to call Lansing for that. Right. And I'd yeah. say, oh, okay. And then we would call Lansing, and they would say, uh, no, you actually got to call Nagani. Oh, all right. So then oh, yeah. we would call Nagani and they would say, yeah, well, that's the right one. Okay. Where the hell is Nagani? I mean, we knew it was in the UP. You know, no, we're near. We're ever, right. Right. Well, when I started working for InDigital, uh, the first summer that I was working for them, I was traveling up to the UP like every week. And uh, I was in the Marquette area and they ended up saying, we're going to go to the uh, uh, Marquette PD. And uh, I said, oh, okay, cool. Well, when we get there, it's the Nagani Post. 
And I swear to God, it was like I found a unicorn because nobody knew where it was at. You know, uh-huh. at least nobody in my piece at by that time. So, um, so I'm there and I was taking pictures of what it looked like on the outside. And I sent them to my old coworkers and I said, I found it. It's I real. found a right, it's Yeah, it is real. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's yeah. God's country up there. That's for sure. Oh, yes. God's country. Definitely. So you're, you're going, you go through your training and all. And I mean, what was it like? Was it overwhelming at first? Of to course, take it one calls like it's, that is overwhelming. Um, trying to multitask because you're trying to take nine one one calls. You're trying to, you know, dispatch officers. Um, they're running traffic stops, coming upon you know suspicious people, whatever it may be, at all given times. So you have to be able to balance it. You know, you got to be able to prioritize, and at the same time, you got to put out. Every, you know, you try and take your, your call as well as, as take care of the officers, responders on the road. So it's very stressful, as you know, being in business. Right. Um, it to, to, to do this line of work, you have to you have to be the best of the best. It's not easy. We you know, have many podcasts done in the past. Um, it takes a special person to be able to do this job and do it correctly and do it right. Right. And do it for so many years without the burnout factor. Exactly. There's always that burnout factor. For me, it was... It had to have been about six, maybe seven years where I hit that burnout stage. And, but there was a lot of stuff going on in my dispatch center as well. So, I mean, we had, we had some low morale going on. I mean, the turnover rate was just, it was, it was crazy. And I remember there was one time we had four or five people, I believe, that had come in for, for training that we had hired. And only two of them made it. And they are actually, they're still there at the dispatch center. And they, they just... It was their calling. And, and that's one of the things, too, is that the more and more people that I talk to that, that have stayed in this, and even those who have gone on to be, you know, an industry partner or a trainer or whatever else, they're still in 911. It, it was a calling for them. And those who, you know, end up not doing it after all, or once they start taking emergency calls and they find out this isn't for me, I've never heard any of them say, yeah, it was a calling. Because they don't, you don't just leave right away like that you know right. some people they do have to because it's it's gotten really stressful but for those who you know just jumping into it like oh i could do it well and it's funny you say that because when people ask me is now i'm a training corner at cobb county 911 in georgia mm-hmm. so we do all the initial training as well as continuation training for our employees and you know we figure out statistics like anything it's all about analytical data nowadays right everybody wants to see stats um so we we tell people about 33 percent one out of every three is going to make it it's going to make it. What I mean by make it, it's going to be there more than a couple of years. Right. Um, you, you talk. I tell everybody it's like five to seven years, the burnout factor. Mm-hmm. So if you can make it past the seven years, you're there. You might complain like the rest of us do. <laughs> right. Everybody, Overworked, everybody underpaid. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But you're still there. It's you show up every job. day. And you show up because it's a calling. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get the, you know, it's kind of cheesy to say oh, we're there to help people, but we are really there to help people. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's like, and I've said it many times, but. It's it's like when um, you know my family would ask how work is going, and I would tell them it's been boring, and they would look at me like you know I'm an asshole or something. And no, I'm I'm not being a jerk. I'm not. I don't want people to be hurt, but I want to help people. That's that's why I'm there. So, yeah, it, it it would always happen, and still sometimes you know when I reflect on it or we're talking or whatever, you know I'll say that like man, I'm like no, it's it's because I want to help. Right, that's exactly. Why we're there. You're right. So you, you go through your training, and now you know you're you're by yourself. Do you remember your your first call at all? You know, looking back that many years, no. I mean, I remember a lot of calls. I remember the good, the bad, the right. funny, 
you know, it's always the funny calls, the, the things the public would be in shock of if they knew. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah um, exactly. You know, just having, there's nothing better than bringing the citizens in, have no idea what we do and have them sit down and listen and realize people call 911 for that. You know what yes. I'm saying? I it, mean, yeah, exactly. What time, you know, time change. What time is it? Uh, is it going to be a full moon today? Um, you know, who won the presidential, you know, presidential election, stuff like that. Where, right. You know, and, and 20 years ago, I'd get mad. Now I just, you know, give them good customer service, give them their answer and move on. It's not even worth it. You just kind of laugh about it. And, you know, because as, as much as we try to educate the public, what's a real emergency or not. Um, right. We, st- we still have to. It's, yeah, yeah, it's. Oh, what did someone tell me? It, it could be an emergency to them. It, and that's exactly what, and that's what we tell everybody. You know, just like we train everybody, the next next phone call is the most important phone call. Right. So to them, you know, if somebody ran into their mailbox or they woke up and their car was broken, then it's an emergency to them. Now we have to prioritize that call, and you're going to get your response from your officers, from whatever agency you work for. But it's a lot different than a domestic in progress, armed robbery in progress, a full arrest, right. commercial or house fire, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Now, what about some of your um, your earlier calls? Maybe not your first, but your earlier calls. Do you remember any of those? I remember back before we had computer-aided dispatch where it was a card. You had to fill it out and slide, oh. it, up, slide it up the little conveyor belt. And, yeah, and for Genesee, your newer dispatchers you, listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> a pen and paper goes a long way. Oh, yes. And um, <laughs> in Genesee County, we had the county side and we had the city of Flint side. So you'd have to figure out what jurisdiction you were and you'd slide that little card up. They put it out, punch for their times, and dispatch whatever, you know, beat See, car, whatever it was. We didn't have a little machine to punch everything. We had to write in all the time. Oh, wow. Which, so, I mean, it, it was fine. We were, I was always writing a scrap paper anyway, even right. though I'd be typing everything. For some reason, I would I would write down almost as a backup really fast. Uh-huh. And it would be all scribbled, but I could read it. Or right. it, would, it would be into, to my own version of shorthand where uh, send would be like SND or in route is... Uh, ENR, right. you know, you'd find a way you to do it. And everybody would know to, and do it, right. Yeah, well, you know what's funny is that up until about maybe a year or so ago, I've been out of dispatch for almost five years, but uh, up until almost a year or so ago, I was I would type uh, or I would text that way. Right, right. And, and my wife would say, why are, you, why are you doing this? I don't even know what you're saying. You're not in dispatch it's anymore. It's our own language. Yeah. It's our own language, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So, so, um, you know, you've got your earlier calls, um, and yeah, did we even met, did you mention your earlier call? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> we kind of went off on a, on there, a, on well, a, on a line there. Like you look back, and there's so many. I mean, right? Yeah. You know, you get your first um, full arrest. Back right. then, there was no computer-aided dispatch. There was, you know, ALS and BLS calls. ALS was trouble breathing, chest pains. You know, maybe someone in full arrest, and you you would give them whatever training you had to give them. A pre-arrival instructions, right. CPR, whatever, but it was bare minimum back then. You know, then for those out of the the general public who are listening, um, what is ALS and what is BLS? Uh, ALS is advanced life support, and BLS is basic life support. So the, really, the difference is is a paramedic is on ALS, which means they can push drugs. That's the big thing. They can have the drug box. They're more trained or whatever. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, the technology has come so far now that, you know, with computer-aided dispatch, with emergency medical dispatch, that based upon the, the questions we ask and the answers you give, we provide the correct service. 
right. so we're not wasting services anymore. If it's not a, a advanced life support, we're only sending a basic life support. So we can save the ALS unit for an actual ALS call. Mm-hmm. So the technology has come it's coming a long way. Do I miss the paper days? Absolutely, I miss the paper days. Because I think <laughs> I think we think it was simpler back then. I mean, you right. know. Yeah. It just it just seemed like that way. And, you know, the technology with texting and, um, you know, next generation 911 with the videos and the uh, uh, pictures. I don't know how that's going to – as a – that. As a dispatcher with all these years in the peer support uh, yes. team leader and coach, I have I'm concerned for the dispatcher's mental health well-being to be able to see videos and pictures. I think technology are going way too fast. We need to back it off and see: Are we going to start losing dispatchers? Do are we going to be able to provide them any type of mental health training, mental health um, advice, mental health anything to be able to deal with these calls? Or are we just going to throw them at them and say make it work? And our agencies know we'll make it work because at the end of the day, we might bitch a lot and complain a lot, but every agency out there in the United States and around the world, we get the job done. Right. Yeah. It, and that's, okay, so I want to get to that that part here in just a moment because coming from a company who provides text for 911 service, it's one of the things that we're trying to tackle right now. But, but first, before we get to that part, how about one of the calls that has stuck with you? It's not as much as a call. It was a dispatch. It was many, many years ago. And it was when I was working for Genesee County uh, Central Dispatch. It was a Michigan State Troopers out tracking a, I, I think it was a, maybe an armed robbery uh, perp. And what happened was, all I can remember is him screaming for help. His canine was shot. And him screaming for help. And that just, of all the things I've dealt with, hundreds of thousands of calls over the years, I worked for large agencies. Um, that just always sits in the back of my mind, like, he had no control. What could he do? And, you know, to this day, um, it just, you know, it makes my hair stand up on my arms. It really does. It's one of those things where you felt helpless as a dispatcher. Right, of course. You know, he felt helpless. Um, you know, when the big one hits the fan, everybody gets together. We all support each other. And the cavalry comes running in, which they did. But for whatever reason, I have no idea why that his screaming for help sticks in the back of my mind after all these years. And this was many years ago. Well, see, and and that's one of the things, I I guess, is, you know, like you were talking about, this camaraderie that we build, you know, our our whole, you know, second family there um, uh, in in, in the line, you know, you hear them every day and they're probably, you know, an officer who's like a hard ass or something, you know, or and doesn't show that much emotion. But that moment when you hear them, you know, something crazy is going on. That moment, you know, it shows they're human. Exactly. You know, a lot of people don't think... um, police officers or sheriffs or whoever troopers are human. They're human beings. They got feelings. They care. You know, um, what's going out there in the world today about the officers, all the negative publicity, um, you know, is it even worth being an officer out there? You know, I don't have that answer. I don't know. But, you know, just looking at it from the dispatch side, it's, you know, one incident happens somewhere, it affects everybody nationwide. Right. You know, and, I'm sure everybody out there understands exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. So how many years were you in the chair then before you made your transition to training coordinator? Um, well, over the years, I was a communications training officer, CTO. I was a supervisor. Um, um, you name it, I was at. And then what I did is I um, kind of took an early retirement in the state of Michigan and moved down south here to Georgia, where I said, I'm going to get out of this business. I, I put 20 years and it's time to get out. And something <laughs> attracted me. And um, um, I was lucky enough to get hired by Cobb County in Georgia. Great uh-huh. agency, large agency, proactive agency, um, where I 
like any other dispatcher, I started in, um, in the trenches. I was back from a supervisor, training uh, CTO, back to a first-line dispatcher. Right. And I had to work my way up through, through, the, through that agency. For now, I remember, for the last uh, about two and a half, three years, I'm a training coordinator down there. Nice. So you make your transition, you're a training coordinator now, and, and you do stuff with peer support. So as we were talking, going back now, that's one of the things that we're trying to figure out. So right now, there's not a standard in how um, Texan 911 for MMS uh, or, you know, pictures, video and all that stuff is going to present itself. So one of the things that we're trying to figure out, uh, because we've got a lot of people that work for the company that come from dispatch. And we've got directors and we've got dispatchers. And, uh, you know, they take a lot of uh, direction, you know, the developers do on, on, you know, how we want to see certain things. So that's one of the things there. And, and I guess this is a question for you with your background and everything. What would be, if you had the choice on how to receive pictures or video, how would you want to see it? Because, you know, we've, we've thought about um, having it presented a link and then clicking on it and it opening up in a new tab or having a profile to where it's just supervisors or admin so that, um, you know, pictures and video go to them only. Um, there's been a, a thought of um, having a way to uh, copy and paste a link and sending it out to an officer so right. they can just open it right. themselves. But then again, they're doing so much in the car already. Exactly. It's probably not the best right. thing to do, but how would you do it? Well, first like of all, I mean, that? everybody's going to be busy. You know, to be able to add that responsibility to anybody. Right. It's something that all the... The people who've been in this, this, this industry has got to come together. We all need to be on the same sheet of music. Um, the link thing, that's great. The supervisor thing, it's great. Can we, you know, can we attach it to a call? I guess that's what people want to do. Right. Let's say it's an accident or, or maybe you got a picture of a perp or a video. You know, can we attach it to the call? And if so, should the dispatcher see the call prior to it? And then what other consequences is that going to lead to? Those are great questions, Ricardo. Um, I don't have an answer to be honest with you. I mean, I, I would like it if we don't, but I know that's, it's not going to, it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. The, I mean, it's, 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 it's already happening. Yeah. I shouldn't say it's going to, there's a, people, was a carbine or whatever. They got stuff out there already down in, uh, down in South Georgia, one of the agencies, they're uh, beta testing some things. So it's going to happen. I'm, I'm just curious. I just really hope the agencies take in consideration the welfare of the dispatchers, the mental health of the dispatchers. Right. And come up with a, a good, strong policy and procedures. How do you do with these pictures, these videos, or whatever else you want to do? Like you said, can you send it to the officer? They're busy. Now, can you attach it to a call and they can look at it later? Great. But, you know, once the public gets out there, just like, you know, back in the days I started, there's no such thing as a cell phone. There was barely a pager, then the bag phone, and then whatever. Now everybody's <laughs> yeah. got a cell phone. Nobody's yeah. got a landline, a hard line anymore. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to happen. I don't care what we say about it. We can't stop it. it makes we just have to slow it down a little bit. Crazy. It does. So on the, on the note of technology, from when you started in 92 to now in 2018, how much has the technology changed? A <laughs> hundredfold. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A hundredfold. And I'm just happy that I was able to keep up with it, you know, um, over the years. It's, um, it's helped a lot. You know, now I look back, you know, we all do our CAD, uh, manual car dispatch training. We have to, where we have to shut our CADs down and, and, and 
practice on our uh, dispatch car just in case the big one happens. Um, and that's always interesting. You know, if you're not training for it, when a big one comes, you're in trouble. So for your agencies right. out there, please train on it annually, biannually, whatever it is we do in Cobb County. Um, things happen. They really do. With the hackers out there, I know a lot of um, a lot of dispatch centers, they say that they're, I'm not a computer guy, so I don't know, but closed links, and they can't get in there. But then you hear things, was it Baltimore or whatever, or Dallas with the sirens. Oh, right. So yeah, they're, you know, they're hijacking dispatch <laughs> right. centers and stuff. And right. You're like, what the hell? Exactly. Just pay us some Bitcoin and you'll be good to go. Bingo, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, the technology has changed. I, I can't even imagine 10, 20, 30 years, my kids, your kids, or grandkids, what, what the technology is going to be. I mean, I'm hoping one day where you can just plug in at home and you sit at home to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that would be pretty interesting. Right. I right. mean, everybody yeah. else works from home nowadays. Why couldn't a dispatcher? I'm not yeah. saying it's going to happen, but at the same time, you can't go home and take a mini CAD station laptop home and fire that bad boy up and exactly. click I mean, some, it, uh, land li- some it's 911 lines over. Yeah. Right. It's definitely possible because you've got, um, you know, like disaster recovery equipment and stuff like that. And you can take it to anywhere and have calls routed there. Right. the technology the way it is. So it is definitely possible. Right. Um, you know, when when Google Glass first came out, uh, one of the things I saw as a concept was uh, a 911 call. And it showed the dispatcher with uh, a Google Glass on. And they're watching this video and someone had fallen over, you know, and, and they needed help. And, and they're talking back and forth. But they're seeing all of this stuff. And I remember at that time, I thought, this is the coolest shit. This would be pretty awesome to be able to do that. Well, now with everything that I've done with the movement and, you know, realizing how these calls, how people, because I was one of them, uh, people bury their calls. And with this, you know, we're facing those calls. We're facing those demons, so to speak, and, and healing from telling these stories. I don't think it's the coolest shit after all. Because, no, right? exactly. Yeah, because you're seeing all of that. Right. And it's... It's crazy because and those who are listening who have not been in dispatching or anything like that, because you're not on scene and you can't see what it is that's going on, a lot of times our imagination is way worse than what is actually going on on scene. Right. And it's it's just, it's freaking nuts. It is crazy, isn't it? So going into the wrap-up of this episode, where do you think 901 is going with technology and how it's going to affect dispatchers in the future, you know, and how do you prepare for that peer support wise? Well, and you have to be out, get, get out in front of it. Um, for agencies that are listening, you have to create a, some type of peer support team. Get with your, I always tell people, and what made me involved was in Cobb County, the fire department was proactive. Those guys, and I'm sure it's like that nationwide, they're one step above. I'm not sure why that is. Um, they, they're just their brotherhood or whatever. Uh, they're not as, you know, police always are, we're stuff, we're strong, we're, you know, um, nothing can get through us, which is not true at all. And of course, as dispatchers, we're the ones that are left behind. People forget about us. So you, just, you really got to sure. go out there. You got to gotta be involved with your employees. Um, it doesn't take much to be a peer support, um, crisis uh, incident management, whatever you want to call it, but you need to go out there. You need to, you need to take care of your mental health of your employees. Um, without them, you, you t- we talked about um, how short most agencies are in the United States. It's a ch- tough job to fill. And right. we do, you know, nowadays we're happy if we get three to five years out of it. I'd rather get 15, 20, 25 years out of it. You exactly. know, because we're missing that those senior dispatchers. 
um, they've all retired. They've they've done, done their job and it's their time. So not a lot of agencies, they don't have those 20, 25 year dispatchers. Yeah, we're a little bit old, a little bit gruffy. We're setting our ways, but you can't. Seasoned. Yeah, you're seasoned. You can't take, um, nothing can replace um, um, experience when it comes to dispatching. Right. Well, thank you very, very thank much you, for Ricardo. being on this episode. This was a lot of fun. Uh, for those who are listening, if you have any uh, comments, questions, or you want to be a guest on the show, you can email us, and that's going to be wttpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. That's at 901podcast. You can also like us on Facebook, and that's facebook.com slash within the trenches podcast. This episode is presented by the IAED, sponsored by Kim Turner LLC. Make sure to check out that company on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as the web for 911 training for the next generation of 911 and as always supported by Indigital a leader in next gen core services this episode as well as all the others can be heard 24/7 on iTunes SoundCloud Stitcher Radio there's so many of them um iHeartRadio Spotify and all of your favorite podcasting apps as well as the jabberlog.com have a good one, everybody. You just listened to a Code 7 Network podcast. If you have any questions or would like to be a guest on the show, send an email to wttpodcast at gmail.com.